Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. What's up, y'all? It's your host, Will, coming back for a new episode, Field Note Fridays, powered by Yamaha. Before we get to today's episode, I'm going to bring a Black Friday, Cyber Monday special deal to y'all that you don't want to miss out on. And what we've done over here at HuntStand is partnered with Muddy Outdoors to give y'all a free, that's right, free Manifest 2.0 cell camera that's valued at $100. Now, all you have to do is upgrade to Pro Whitetail today or buy Pro Whitetail if you're not an existing HuntStand user. So that's going to last from Black Friday today through Cyber Monday. So all you have to do, head to the link down in the description below, get upgraded to Pro Whitetail, get you Pro Whitetail, and that way you can claim your free Muddy Manifest 2.0 cell camera. So on today's episode, we got Lee Lakoski on here for the last part to the November Rut Series. And on this episode, we're going to kind of have a little bit of a recap in November for him. We're going to talk through that waning and post-rut time, and we're just going to go down a couple rabbit holes. But hopefully, you've been able to take something from this series, apply it to what you're doing, and hopefully, you've been able to bag that big buck or you're getting closer. And so again, y'all, we just want to thank y'all for tuning in to HuntStand Podcast, and here's our man, Lee Lukoski. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, you ready to get this thing started? Yep. Well, Lee, welcome back to the final part to this November rut series that we've been doing so far. And man, I just want to thank you for all the time that you've taken to do this with me and just talk deer hunting and rutting to everybody out there. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I'm going to miss talking with you every week. We're going to have to come up with another topic to to talk about, right? Oh, there's late (laughs) season, shed hunting. We can dive into it all, man. Right. Hinge cutting, all the timber work and all the winter stuff you you could do them year round you're, you know you get up every morning and you think about deer and you're doing something for deer every day so you could really you could do it every week of the year well we just might have to man <laughs> so <laughs> well man tell us tiffany finally got a certain buck down here recently tell us how that went down yeah big bacon you know it's 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 a deer she's been i've mean, been hunting for probably four years you know, and he just kind of on and off as I was like, Hey, big bacon's, you know, showing up in the fields and something. So, you know, it's been like four years, she'd be after him, then he'd kind of disappear and then she'd go on to a different one. And, you know, cause he was just, he was like a big, 
he's always a big eight and so not like a management deer because he had a big frame and good mass and stuff but yep. you know it wasn't like you know 200 that you were just on all the time it was kind of like when he would show up you know all summer he's around all the time and then in like during hunting season he's just kind of in and out and you know, normally you get a lot of pictures of him but he's just he was so huge in the body and stuff. And then he just, he kind of ran the whole farm and we were like, we need to, you know, for the last three and four years, like we need to, to make sure everybody needs to shoot him because he's probably pushing so many of our good young ones off. Cause he just runs the whole place, but it was hard to pin down. You know, he never was like in one particular area. He'd be in what you'd get pictures of him, you know, every week, but never in the same place and never two days in a row. And so he's one of those very unpredictable type deer and finally you know we kind of pinned him down i put a new food plot in this year um kind of specifically for him and another deer and okay. that was just a big crp field so we had like three fields in a row so it was like a a green field and then a, then a grain field a big corn field and then another green field that just put a big pond in it so that whole area they were just kind of all those fields are maybe just a couple hundred yards apart right in a row so you had like wheat and clover and a big pond for water and then you had a cornfield and you had a perfect 10 which is turnips and rape and sugar beets and all that stuff right in a row and so he was just kind of running all of those so you kind of just played a shell game of which one you'd sit at because you started seeing him you know in, in each one of the in one of those three fields mm-hmm. um, and not every day because when he you know just like anything when he was with a doe he just disappeared for a week and so he kind of got in between and she having to pick the right shell couple of days ago and uh, and, and managed to get an arrow, arrow in him but man was he ever huge probably the biggest body biggest head biggest neck out of any deer i think we've ever shot really uh, yeah just huge bases and huge mass i mean just like i said it was just an eight pointer with that one sticker but he was still like 162 inches or something like that for a straight yeah. eight and he didn't have like his threes are not that long it's not like and his brows are not that long I and mean, so much of it just made up in mass and and, uh, you know, he did have like 12 inch twos, but his threes, you know, weren't super long. Normally to get an eight point in the sixties, you got to have giant brows and, and, you know, everything good, but he just, the mass really was, was crazy on him. Dang. Now, did y'all weigh him? No, you know, we don't have a scale here. Um, it's never been, you know, people have asked that too. And a lot of times like, gosh, I should get one. Uh, and or I had one at one time that was just a, a care, you know, a uh, you know, where you hang them up and had a digital scale right in it. I don't know what happened. I'll have to get one because I'm I'm assuming he was, you know, close to that, you know, close to that 300 pounds, probably yeah. like at least 80, 290s. You know, you know, not uh, you know with the guts in him, but he is huge. I mean, his head was incredible when he walked up to that thing. I just everybody just sat there for about an hour and just looking at that thing, just going, "Oh my gosh, look at that head and neck." I mean. Jeez. Tiffany's sitting there by it. It's, I mean, just dwarfed her. I can't. I can't believe how big y'all's deer get up there. I mean, down here in Texas, I mean, obviously we don't get all the cold conditions you, that y'all do, but I just, it's insane at how big your deer get. Yeah, and that one was one of a kind. I mean, like I shot one years ago, Narles Barkley, which is probably one of the most famous deer that we've ever shot. That had a body and a head like that. Um, you know, but he, I shot him fairly early in the year. So he kind of had the shorter hair and stuff. And this one with the longer hair and their necks get so like wet and stuff like when they're rutting all the time. And it just, 
just the head and neck on with the bigger fur on him and stuff. It was just incredible. I, mean, I didn't measure it around the base of his neck. It's 36 inches around, around his neck. Jeez. That is a big, yeah. big deer, man. <laughs> well, congrats know. to Tiffany. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. And she's been like, that was her first deer, the first whitetail of the year, you know, and, uh, she'd be coming so close so many times to so many other ones. And she was just being very careful, you know, just, She'd have them at 40 and well, I'm just gonna wait, see if they're coming a little closer. And normally she just shoots them at 40. Like like this one finally. She just shot him. I think it was like 45 yards or something like that. But that's sweet. A, that's a tough yardage. Um because just how much they're gonna react at at 40 is is 40 to 40 to 50 are normally the worst ones for them ducking in a reaction. So you know, kind of got in her heads to shoot low, and of course she you know aim aimed a little low you know, where you'd want to, and he didn't even react at all. So with this, I was a little bit low, but still killed. He only went 300 yards. So, um, it all worked out, but it's like, man, it's just, they're just so unpredictable. And it's, you kind of like to shoot them at that 20 to 30, because no matter how much they react, they're not going to, you know, react more than five, four or five inches. But when you get to that 45 to 50 is when they can drop, you know, 10 inches and stuff. So it's hard to know where to aim on them. And so she was just waiting and trying to get them closer, but Heck, you know, we're almost, you know, we're in the middle of the ending of lockdown pretty much. I mean, most of our big ones are locked down and just to see him on his feet. She was like, man, I've been hunting since October 1st, so I'm going to have to let her rip and it all worked out. Heck yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, the end of the month, tell us what the deer are doing in your area. You know, it sounds like they're kind of getting off lockdown, the back end of the rut. Like, tell us. Well you catch one here and there, um, that are off, but it, it's tough right now. <laughs> you know, um, like we talked about it earlier. That's why I just like October and December. I mean, most people, you know, as I was, Oh man, the ruts come in November and sweet November and all this stuff. But to me, it's the worst time because, you know, once they hit lockdown, you just don't know if they're even alive. Yeah. I mean, they go from one, one doe to the next, to the next, like I have a couple, I have a big four-year-old that's just, sickened me he's on our right on a missouri border on one of our farms and i'm just afraid that that missouri gun season somebody somebody shot him which they likely did because it's been you know two i'm going on three weeks now since i've seen him Ugh. and i had pictures of him and you just don't know i mean they could be just from one doe to the next to the next and they just you just are not going to get a picture of them but you know so many times they're just in between it might be a day or two you know tiffany another buck that she was hunting just showed up in daylight on a, several different cameras but it was one day we went and hunted them yesterday if we were gonna do the podcast yesterday but i was still in the tree stand with tiffany because yeah. we're just we're on a lot of bucks but i thought that he would be around and boom now again no pictures of him again so i'm sure he's got a got a doe someplace so that's what i just got in from i was out moving cameras around and stuff and trying to figure out exactly where they're at but uh, it, it can be tough this time of year but you just gotta stick with it you know like for us mostly we let the cameras do our work just keep going out moving them around and mm-hmm. when they're in between they're going to go hit those pockets of does and you know so that's right now with tiffany we're just waiting until she'll go out in the evenings um but in the mornings we're just sitting it out waiting for them to show back up till we get back out there um and mostly because the kids have school and we're homeschool them and stuff if we didn't you know if we were on a week hunt or something obviously you'd be out there all day but um, you know, when they're locked down, it's pretty tough. So yeah, at that time 
just wait wait to start getting pictures of them well man i i took your advice last week uh you know if you can sit all day and I was sitting in a stand location where, you know, I've been telling telling you about this freak buck and I've talked about it a little bit mm-hmm. on the podcast and about six, six fifteen where you can just start to see things. I had this freak buck walk right in front of my, my stand and he circled through and I waited till about nine. I said, You know what? I'm gonna move locations where I think these deer are moving. And I had to go back to our hunting cabin to grab some extra gear to finish sitting the rest of the day. And he had made a complete circle, complete U-turn, went all the way across this 200 acres onto our neighbors, and I watched him come across this field chasing after another buck that he was pissed at running at him. And so I went and got, <laughs> I went and got in this box blind, and it was just raining and nasty and everything, and all of a sudden, there he was, and I was able to take a shot at him. And it was the first yeah. midday buck I've ever killed. Oh, wow. We, we I mean, if it's November a lot of it, most of our deer between 11 and two. And, you know, but it's funny because like when we sat yesterday and just like on on you on that deer, if they're in between those, they're like easy to kill. Yeah. I mean, relative because we saw like, we actually saw one of the big ones, one of our really big deer. And, you know, if people saw it, they'd think you're crazy because he's five and he's huge and huge mass and inside points. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, that's a dream buck. But I want to get him through to six. Oh, and I man. saw on the camera the day before that he was in between. And so, bang, it rattled and he came right to the tree. And it was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, he's a giant. <laughs> I was like, no, we're going to try to leave him to six. But then, then we had like two three-year-olds, an eight and a nine-pointer. Mm-hmm. And it's like we sat there till about noon but then it got to be where some of my one of my buddies john hoyer's down here and is hunting the, the missouri side and and stuff at, of, of one of our farms and you know we wanted them to go out in the evening so we had to he was babysitting well we were out hunting so we had to get out but that one those two bucks you know that they're in between those we literally saw them like 10 times they would just they'd cruise down one ridge and then they'd be gone half half hour later they come from the absolute opposite direction You're like how in the heck did he get over there and then you come back to you this way. And then from that way, and you rattle and they come running in. It's like, when they're in between, it's like, it is, you're going to see them there moving. And we saw like all those bucks, like three or four times during the, you know, from morning until, until noon. So, you know, if you can get one in between, and that's what's so nice about having like the cell cameras, um, you know, you can see pretty much in real time, you know, what's happening. So when you get a picture of one that's, out by himself in a field, you know, checking for does and, and one of your food plots or something, man, you got to get out there because they'll, they'll move a ton and that's time you can rattle and bang. They're right on top of you. Yeah. It's, it's a fun time of year. So, so last week we kind of talked about, you know, we're, we're starting to get in that time of year where some of these deer are going to be winding down from the rut. They're going to start getting more for, focused on food because there's even colder weather coming. So, you know, their survival instincts are coming in. They're led by their gut. So how are you approaching kind of, if you will, that post-rut time of year? What's what's going through Lee's mind before he's even stepping foot out in the woods? Well, that's what we're kind of doing right now where I have a bunch of cornfields that are still standing and you know we can't we can't bait here in iowa but you can if it grew there you can knock it down do whatever and of course you have to you know, knock your corn down and get it mowed and mulch up the stock so in the spring you can disc it back up again 
So I'm just out knocking over corn and getting that all down, getting ready for next spring. But obviously that's just easier for corn. You know, you can see them when it's the corn is on the ground. So we're just kind of getting, getting all our food ready. And then I got a bunch of redneck blinds that are on trailers and moving them to our bigger food sources and things like that. That's what I just got in from. I've been doing that all morning, moving blinds around and stuff. And even though, even though we're a couple of weeks away from that, we're still looking at, you know, kind of the back end of the rut here. A lot of our big ones are still locked down. There's still be some good rut action, but really we might run back down to our Illinois farm here after Thanksgiving. So by the time I get back, we're going to run out to South Dakota pheasant hunting and do some other things. So it's going to start happening fast I'll, before you know it, it's going to be, you know, early December and gun season. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, you're going to need, they're going to be concentrated on food. So I'm just kind of getting ahead of that and, uh, getting, getting blinds moved and, and things like mostly like for archery hunting, I, I, just, I love tree stands and I really love timber hunts and, and stuff like that. But when it comes to, you know, gun season, muzzleloader, then, you know, the blinds are, are kind of the way to go. Cause we got, you know, our, our bean field food plots will be, you know, a lot of them are 15 and, 20 acres is big i mean they right. can be 400 across i mean they're not they're pretty much suited for for your muzzleloaders and you know they even have to come pretty close you know within a couple hundred yards to be you know to feel comfortable with that so you know our big food pots and getting you know blind set up on that so they get used to those you know rednecks in those fields and stuff if they're not there already i've just kind of gotten to or i use a lot of the trailers on those and i can move them around um, so, you know, kind of getting focused on food right now for, for late season, but, uh, you know, there's still, there's still a couple of weeks of some red action going, you know, that we'll have here before that happens. So are you still kind of doing what you're doing before where, you know, right now or prior, like a week ago, so we kind of talked about, you know, you're getting in tight on, bedding areas or you're completely backing away from that and you're just kind of in that transition from bed to food or what you know how how are you looking at that well it it is i mean we were just you know i said hunting where the does were and but now a lot of those are back with their fawns here and and so it's it's not as effective because there's just less of those does but they still are coming and checking those doe groups but once they do and there's nothing there then they'll keep moving on you know so it's not as you know we're in the peak of the rut you just hunt the does and man there'll be bucks coming checking out those doe groups like crazy yeah so now it kind of switched gears a little bit more moving cameras around and seeing like where uh where they are in between in between does and you know, it, it may be right where all the does are because it's a big number of them and they're maybe waiting for one that hasn't. But it seems like a lot of times they're just kind of concentrated on food. Like when I, I'll see them like either if it's a little bit warmer like it is today in the turnip fields, like my turnip and rape fields, they'll just be in there just gorging themselves. Or if it was colder, it was like on our bean or, or corn fields. So when I get a picture like that, then I just, boom, focus on that particular food source that they're on. And they'll probably, they maybe only be there for a, for a day or two but they'll be normally nearby for a day or so and that's when you want to get in there and hunt them but you know it's not as it's tougher now you know when they're they're winding it down Mm -hmm. um now i'm just kind of looking for a picture of that specific deer and getting in that area where you saw them and then hope you hit the antlers together and you're gonna and you're gonna see them you know like i said earlier on you're just hunting the doe groups and 
you know, even though they'll stick around the does right now, there's, if there's none there, you know, they'll, they'll be focusing on a food source. And so we're changing up a little bit, just more looking for this specific buck and then getting in right close to where we saw him. And hopefully he's in that area. Yeah. And you just never know where the last doe could be. You know, they, they know more better than we are. So if all of a sudden you start seeing them hanging out on a specific field, that's likely there might be a, a doe over there that's, that's getting close or he just prefers that food source. So, you know, less, less on the big doe groups. I mean, I can, I'm sitting in my house right now. I'm looking out the back window and we have like tons of does that are right in our backyard. And, you know, for a couple of weeks there, we had a couple of our big deer that were just bang right there all over those does. Mm-hmm. And now you see them on there, just little bucks there. And I, I got those same bucks that were here. You know, I look about a quarter mile away in one of our big corn food plots. I see one of those bucks that was here. I had a friend of mine, Brad True from Matthews. He was, his son was, was hunting that buck. And now he's back over where he was in the summer. Even though all those does are there, he's not, none of the bigger ones are right there in our, out our backyard where I can see they're off on food sources. So you can see all that changes from, you know, from one, phase of the rut basically to the next and we're just lucky that i just have food plots right in our backyard i can watch deer every single day and see how their habits are and when some of these big groups they were you know at the top of the bell curve where does are coming in all the time the big bucks that were right in our backyard and i video them and i have so much phone phone video footage of just in our backyard and now still have a you know, 30 or 40 does back there and you have a couple of little bucks might be chasing some around, but the big ones boom are back on the on back where they were in the summer, more closer to their food sources that they are normally that you normally find them in, in the summer. Yeah. And I, I've seen that happen down here too, where I'll have bucks that they're all over my cameras, you know, spring, summer, uh, you know, and all of a sudden it's like September rolls around. They just kind of disappear. Well then right around middle December, they just reappear out of nowhere. It's kind of like, where are you guys going? Like for so right. long. So yeah, it's crazy. And that's what's, that's like I said, it's nice about living right in the middle of, I mean, everything is food plots around our house. I mean, I can watch usually, you know, from 40 to a hundred deer right from my house. Like as I go to the front, to the back, to the side, you know, so you really kind of <clears throat> see what's happening and where, you know, what stage of the rut it is just by getting up in the morning and lifting, looking out our blinds. Yeah, that's a pretty cool thing to have. So the, yeah. when you're rolling into this, are you, you know, we, we you've talked about how you'll do all-day sits. Do you do any all-day sits in the late season, like when a front comes in, or do you even entertain that at all? Not, usually not at that time because they bed up so much. Like yesterday, we, we you know, we would have sat there all day. I mean, it was so much fun. They're just deer going all the time, but we just couldn't because we had our kids here and john was watching was watching them say with with kids and out of without a babysitter you know full-time babysitter something you got to take what you can get yeah but like days like yesterday were perfect i mean you got deer on the feet i mean this time of year is perfect for all day sits because right up until you know first week in december where they're kind of off of that and on to food but then you watch them like you'll see them uh you know, eat in the morning and then they just go lay up. They, they're so beat up and, you know, skinny and stuff. They don't, they're not up moving around much. They'll just go and eat. And if you really pay attention to, you know, the moon phases and stuff and the peak feeding times, you can get them, you know, that's when they're going to, a lot of time you can get them up in the timber. If you want to sit all day, you know, if there's good 
you know, overhead or underfoot moon, like maybe at 10 o'clock or something. And I would, you know, sit with, wait till they're coming off the food plots and the timber and get them milling around in there a little bit. And so then maybe, maybe sit another hour or so until it's overhead or underfoot at like yesterday was at 10 30. And sure enough, I mean, that's why, you know, we had to get out at 12, but it went from about 10 30 to 11 30. Even by the time we got out, they were deer constantly that you saw up, you know, a lot of it is just does up feeding that in the timber, like on acorns or browsing, but then those bucks are still in there, you know, cruising around, checking all those does that are up, that are up moving. So you could do that like during, you know, late season, but I'd definitely be looking at moon stuff if I was going to sit, sit longer than, you know, just the mornings or the evenings on those mm-hmm. on food sources. Okay. Okay. So, man, I, I know we're, we're getting tight on time here. Uh, one thing I'd like to ask is, you know, what kind of any parting advice would you have, you know, just to that guy, gal that's going after, going out there right after Thanksgiving and, and their deer in this post rut strategy, like what's, you know, if they got to throw a Hail Mary, you know, they're running slim on time. What do you recommend they do? Well, I mean, like I said, right at the end, like this Thanksgiving time can be awesome. I mean, that's, you know, you're getting right at the bottom of the bell curve. So now you're kind of getting back to where it was, at the beginning of the rut. Mm -hmm. And I I think like if I, if I just had like one week left or something, it was after Thanksgiving, I mean, that can be awesome. Then I would probably, you know, again, find where, where all the does are, even though like I'm not personally right now, because I, I can see on my cameras, you know, where some of those, some of those bucks are, and they're not necessarily at these big groups of, of does, but I think as it gets, starts really winding down, I think in general, I would still just be looking for, okay, where are most of the does feeding? And likely because that's just a good food source at that time and, and bucks are going to be wanting to do the same thing. So we we see that so much like the end of Thanksgiving or into the first part like of our gun season. It's just wherever you're piling the most deer into, that's kind of the prime food source that those bucks are going there to start trying to put some weight back on and stuff anyway. But they're also checking out the rest of the does. Like for right now in this period here, we got warm, warm weather just turned off warm like yesterday and today. And looks like the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, we can start looking at our green fields are, are more, you know, seem like there's more action in those than our grain after like corner bean fields. So, you know, kind of look for the food source depending on, on the weather as well. And, uh, you know, cameras are, you know, the big thing, biggest thing for me that just give us so much information and without those maybe a totally different, a totally different story, but you we're right now just really watching for, you know, for action on, on cameras. But he said, if you didn't have that and, you know, just that last piece, just get to get to a food source. And then it, like, if I would get close to it, like where we were hunting yesterday, there's just, a, I could see a little green food plot that I have in the, in the timber. Mm-hmm. So you could see all the does up in there that are hitting that and the bucks going and checking them out, but you can always grunt or rattle them over, which, which we did. So just for, for fun, you know, when we saw them up there, even though they weren't ones they're going to shoot, you give them a grunt and you get them coming running right to the base of the tree. So that's what I would do. I'd say I'd, I'd get in the, get in the timber someplace, you know, near a food source anyway. And that's where you could sit all day and, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, we, 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 we would have saw deer all day. We did right up until noon when we had, when we had to get out. So that's, you know, you just hope you can run into a big one. 
Man, I love it. Love the advice. And I've loved getting to talk with you just over these these four weeks, just talking rut hunting, deer hunting in general. And so to, to cap it off, how would you say this November was for you? Um, it was probably one of the best that we've had for, for action. And we kind of knew that just by, um, you know, number one, the cold weather that we had. Um, not not like right now, but the beginning and stuff where we had plenty of cold days and the, around the Halloween all the way all the way up until yesterday. I mean, we had relatively cool temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the moon phases were perfect early, and we got it again. I think it should be really good here, like on the 26th through the 30th. So I have like even though Tiffany's only shot one deer, I have total confidence that this last week in November that uh, with the moon phases and everything else, even though it's going to be warm, I bet you we're going to see better than average uh, deer movement on it. So it's been great overall. I mean, I look, I probably hunted this year less than I have in 20 years. Really? I just got very lucky. Like the deer that I wanted to go after, boom, I'd go out and I'd see them. And sometimes I decided, nah, I'm going to leave that deer. Let's go look at this one. See if I think he's big enough or old enough to go out. I very rarely went out where I didn't see one of my the deer I was looking for, or at least a good one. And, um, you know, I hunted so few days. The first, the, my first one, the 204 that I shot, um, hunted him for like two days. I went and looked at all these other bucks and I was like, I might leave them. I'm going to leave them another year. Maybe I should leave them another year. That's all right. I'm going to go look at this one. Like the second day out, shot that one. And then Paddle's buck, I mean, he was, didn't live on us. I hadn't had a, I maybe had one, two pictures, you know, in eight months of him, but I just knew that once the crops start coming down, he comes in onto ours. I had one picture of him. Said, oh, I bet you he's going over to the Jordan field and sat there the first morning, rattled, grunted, bang, brought him right into the field, shot him. So it was basically the first day I hunted for him. And then down in Illinois, the very first day I went out, hunted for that nine point and shot him. So it was just, it was one of those years where it was, I mean, it's obviously a lot of luck to that too, mm-hmm. but the weather conditions were right. Um, you're getting pictures of them, visually saw them, say, all right, let's go hunt that one and bang, you know, so it was probably one of the best, one of the best ruts that, uh, you know, I personally had, even though Tiffany's only shot one, she's had plenty of encounters with the deer that she was hunting and just was being very careful about. Yeah, I wanted to get them like at, you know, see if I can get them 30 or in. And so many times they were 42, 45, 55, where she just wasn't shooting. And, uh, but she had tons of encounters with all those, with the big, with the bucks that she was, that she was hunting. So it was a phenomenal year for her. And I think with this, you know, next week at, at right after Thanksgiving, this next week is going to be, it's going to be good moon wise and everything too. So I've, I have pretty much full confidence, but uh, pretty much before we get to December 3rd or 4th, that she'll have another one down. Man, sounds like a great November. Capped it off with big bacon. So what more could you ask for? Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, Lee, man, I really appreciate your time and just podcasting with me. I know like we talked earlier, we got plenty of other topics that we can go through the rest of the year. So just want to thank you for your time for this November rut strategy series. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great talking with you, and I always love talking deer. All right, y'all, there you go. 
We just want to thank Lee for hopping on for all these episodes of the November Rut Series to talk to Rut, all the different phases, strategy, tips, and tactics for y'all to take and add to your whitetail hunting arsenal. And remember y'all, we're partnered up with Muddy Outdoors to bring y'all a special Black Friday Cyber Monday deal. All you have to do, upgrade to Pro Whitetail, buy Pro Whitetail, make sure you've got that, and then you're going to receive a free Muddy Manifest 2.0 cell camera that's valued at $100. All you have to do, head to the link down in the description and get that done today. You just have through Cyber Monday to get it done. So again, y'all, thank you for tuning in to the Hunt Stand Podcast, and we'll see you next week.